Welcome to the Equipers Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equiperschurch.au. Friends, we are uh, we're really happy you came tonight to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate Christ actually with us. Uh, I'm really happy you came. You know, uh, I was thinking there is five reasons why I love Christmas. You and I know those? How many of you want to know why I love Christmas? I'll, I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, num- number one, it's uh, because it's uh, Christ-centered. Uh, Christmas is uh, Christ-centered. It's all about Jesus. You know, the culture may think otherwise, but it's actually all about Jesus. Amen? Uh, that's, that's reason number one. Reason number two is because of the family time. Man, we spend so much time with the family. Some of you may be a bit isolated from family because you're far away from your family, but let, let us be your family for this time. And I just love Christmas because we actually spend a lot of time with family together. Both on my side, we have a huge family, and on Martha's side, there is also a big family. So during Christmas, yes, it does cost a lot of money, but we actually have a lot of family time together. It's like catching up. Uh, after the whole year, and I love this. Uh, number three, I love Christmas because of its generosity culture. We give like crazy. Uh, we give a lot. Uh, and I love this because, you know, Christianity is all about giving. And Christmas actually encourages uh, generosity culture. And let me encourage you to be generous during Christmas time, especially during Christmas time. Let me encourage you just to give to be generous, to bless someone, you know, not just those that you actually receive gifts from, but actually just to bless someone. And then number four, the fourth reason why I love Christmas, it's because during this time, rest is actually legal. I'm, a, I'm actually allowed to rest and just do nothing. And I love that. You know, after Christmas, I'm actually going to throw my feet up and do nothing. And, you know, the best thing about that is that actually everybody else will be doing the same, or most people will be doing the same. So um, um, it's going to be completely legal. So take time to rest. And then number five, why I love Christmas, uh, reason number five is because Christmas music is beautiful. I just love Christmas music. You know, our family gathers together and we sing like crazy. Our, our family has always done it. My dad is a saxophone player and he's still... Uh, he still leads us in Christmas music celebration. And uh, I, I just simply love Christmas because Christmas music is beautiful. And so I haven't done this for a long time. <laughs> so tonight, actually, yeah, this is the cheap version of a Christmas festival. Last Sunday, it was the full-on, full band, and we had to do a budget version tonight. So it was us. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you laughed. Thank you so much. Yes, so good. Thank you. Well, friends, uh, I want to do uh, the last part of our Christmas series, which is called The Wonder of Christmas. The Wonder of Christmas. And tonight, I've called this episode, The God Who Came Near. The God Who Came Near. And before we go into this, let me just pray. Father, we thank you that you actually came near. And that's the main reason why we are actually here 
and why we actually celebrate this time of the year. Because you are the God who came near. And I'm just so passionate about this. And Father, I ask that you would just give me the right words. And that by the Holy Spirit, I'll be able to speak prophetically into the hearts of the people tonight. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, friends, Christmas is a story about a little vulnerable baby that sent a mighty king into panic. Christmas is also a story uh, about a small, simplistic stall in Bethlehem that overshadowed the famous palace in the city of Caesarea and the noble temple in Jerusalem. Christmas is also a story about a long and dangerous journey from the Far East. All, all of that for just a single moment of worship. Christmas is also a story about the despised and shabby shepherds who encountered the glory of God. I love that. And Christmas is also the greatest love story. The Heavenly Father sending His only Son on a mission to rescue a prodigal planet. A mission that will cost Him His life. And friends, I've been preaching about this for the last two weeks. And I always get excited when I talk about the mission that Jesus actually came on. Because that is actually the theme and the story and the narrative of Christmas. You know, it is also a prophetic story. See, in his life, Jesus actually fulfilled at least 300 Old Testament prophecies. Can you imagine that? In his life, just about 33 years, he fulfilled more than 300 Old Testament prophecies. And at his birth only, he fulfilled at least 18 of those prophecies. Such as the lineage that he would come from. That he would be born of a virgin. That the location of his birth would be Bethlehem. That there would be a massacre uh, following his birth. And that he would, have, he would actually have to be exiled from, uh, from his land into Egypt. And then be called from there. And many more. I want to read you a small article. Uh, there was a professor at the Westmont College who calculated the probability of one man fulfilling the major prophecies from the Bible made about the Messiah. He did this experiment with 600 of his uh, university students. And they only examined eight different prophecies from the Bible. Not 300, not 18, just 8. And they estimated that the chance of one man fulfilling all 8 prophecies was 1 in 10 followed by, one followed by 17 zeros. We have some PhDs in the house, so I'm sure we will love this. To illustrate how large this number is, a figure with 17 zeros, the professor gave this illustration. He said, 
if you mark one of the ten tickets and place all the tickets in a hat and then thoroughly stir them and then ask a blindfolded man to draw one, his chance of getting the right ticket is one in ten, correct? Now, I know this far in math. <laughs> I know this much. Uh, and then he says, suppose we take ten, uh, followed, one followed by 17 zeros, silver coins, and lay them on the face of Texas, or it could be France. He said, they will cover all the state with almost one meter high. Can you imagine if you take that number of silver coins and stack them throughout the country of Spain? The stack will be almost one, one meter high. And then he said, mark one of these silver dollars or silver coins and stir the whole mass all over the state. And then he said, blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes. But he must pick up the only one silver, uh, silver coin that has the special mark of, on it. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing these eight prophecies and having them come true in only one man from their day to the present time. The story of the birth of Jesus is prophetic. Jesus, not by accident, but by God's design, fulfilled many prophecies from the Old Testament. I love this. It's not an accident. There is actually design and destiny in the birth of Jesus. Can somebody get excited? Not only that, but it's also an unfinished story. See, yes, it started in Bethlehem, but it actually culminated on Calvary, on the hill of Calvary years later. And then it actually continued with, uh, with uh, you know, the ministry of Jesus, his, his brutal death, his powerful resurrection, then his ascension into the heavens, then the sending of the Holy Spirit, ministry of the church, and his glorious second coming. The birth of Jesus is just the beginning. It's not the end, and it's not even the culmination of the story. I love this. Now, friends, let me take you to the scripture for tonight. We're going to go to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. Um, it's uh, a famous story. I'm going to read from verses 18 through 25. And this is what we read in the story taken by Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not let fear, uh, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is one of the prophecies. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he, he didn't know her until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Tonight, I want to focus on that one simple phrase we find in this passage of scripture that says, They shall call his name Emmanuel. They shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, originally in the book of Isaiah in chapter 7, uh, there is a prophecy about a child that would be born during the reign of the king Ahaz in uh, the kingdom of Judah. See, the neighboring nations uh, such as northern Israel and Syria at that time were threatening Ahaz. And so... Ahaz, the king of Judah, in this context, is receiving a prophecy about this baby who would be born. And they would name him Emmanuel. And see, as is the case with many Old Testament prophecies, this also had a messianic, futuristic meaning that was fulfilled in Jesus. The word Emmanuel means God with us or God is with us and friends this was a significant revelation what we find in the name Emmanuel is incredibly profound and significant see ever since Adam and Eve were cast out from paradise the question remains to be burning hot see uh, Adam and Eve, they spent all of their life up to that point in the presence of God. Now, all of a the sudden, they had to be taken out and, and the door to the paradise was actually guarded by the angels. The presence of God was not available to them. Then later, Moses, I'm not going to go into the teaching there, but Moses is actually praying on a mountain in Exodus chapter 33. He says, if your presence does, does not go with us, do not send us up from here. The presence, he was, he was so passionate about the presence of God. At a later time, Gideon, one of the judges, one of the leaders of Israel, he is actually encountering a revelation, an angel of the Lord is appearing to him. And, and what God is telling him is a bit sarcastic. This is what the angel tells him. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
It was like he was provoking Gideon because it was a, an incredible difficult season. Everything that could go wrong actually went wrong. It was bad. So Gideon is asking, pardon me, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? How many of you actually prayed like that? God, if you're truly with me, as you promised, why has all of that happened to me? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about? So we find this question about the presence of God throughout the Old Testament from the paradise in Eden. Then Moses is passionate about the presence of God. Gideon is asking this question. We also find it in the book of Psalms, in the prophets. And then, of course, those of you that know the Bible history, Israel was in the exile for, for a long time, for 70 years. And then a, an era of four centuries followed when God seemed to be quiet. It seemed like God did not speak. There were no prophetic words given. And I'm sure many were asking God, where are you now? Where is your presence now? In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, we actually uh, see that in uh, a fresh interpretation of what actually happened when Jesus was born. Heaven breaks open, glory comes down. And this is what we read long ago at many times. And in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days... He has spoken to us by His Son. Finally, the silence is broken. And finally, the presence of God is real among His people. Emmanuel, God is with us. Can you say this with me? Emmanuel, God is with us. We can do, I think, just a little better. Emmanuel, God is with us. Now, I want to break break down this sentence um, this is going to sound like um, uh, nursery, nur- nursery school or, or um, elementary school, uh, but yeah, forgive me for that. So my point number one is I'm going to focus on the God in the God is with us. Because here we have his identity revealed to us. God is with us. Emmanuel actually means that God himself is with us. It's not, just about, it's not just about some good feeling. It's not just about some religious atmosphere. It's actually the very presence of God being with us in the person of Jesus. It's a fresh revelation about who he is. Friends, in a time of crisis, it truly matters Who stands with us. Is that right? When you hit the hard times. It does matter who is with you. And in the person of Jesus. It is God himself. Who comes to be with us. Emmanuel stands for. God is with us. Um, I'm just going to mention a few of his names from. The Old Testament. Here are just a few names for God as, as we know it from the Old Testament. The, one of them is El Shaddai, which means the Lord God Almighty. 
That was a name that actually resounded with power and might. Another one is Yahweh Rapha, which means the God who heals. The God who actually provides healing to our bodies, our soul, our hearts. Then another one is Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. He's my victory. He's my banner in the battle. Another one is Yahweh Tzitkenu, which means God is my righteousness. He actually made me righteous. He made me clean. And here's another one, Yahweh Yirech, which means He's the God who provides for all of my needs. Friends, this is the God I am talking about. This is the God who is actually with us in the time of crisis. Those are his names as revealed in the Bible. Here are some of his offices. I'm going to read another passage from Isaiah. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. I had to remind myself so often of this scripture. The heaviness, the responsibility, the pressure, the authority, the government is actually on him. I don't have to worry too much. And his name shall be called, let's read this together, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Friends, those are the offices. And look at this. What is his character? We know his names. We know his offices. What, are, what is his character like? Now, to start with, he is the God who does not lie. In the book of Numbers, chapter 23, we read, God is not man that he should lie. That's good news. He's not a son of man that he should change his mind. I change my mind. Has he, sent, has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Friends, he doesn't lie. Here's another one. He does not faint. In the book of Isaiah chapter 40, the Bible says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the, of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I actually grow weary. I get tired easily. But hey, this is a God. The God who is Emmanuel, God with us, he doesn't get tired. And uh, there is an, another, another scripture. He does not take back his gifts. Now this is good news. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to give you a gift for this Christmas. But a week later I change my mind. And I'm like, can you please give it back to me? God never does that. It says in the book of Romans that, that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He doesn't take it back. Once he has given you his blessing and he's given you gifts on your life, he is actually, he's incredibly generous and he's, he's not taking it, he's taking it back. The whole point of saying all of that is that it does matter who is with us in the time of trouble. See, we often say, I am with you, bro. You know, hey, my friend, I'm with you in this. And we mean well, right? I'm, I am with you. But friends, oftentimes in crisis, we can't help. We disappoint. But when God says, 
that he's with us. That changes everything. In the book of Isaiah chapter 41, the Bible says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God is with us. It's God who is with us. It's not about great faith. It's actually about little faith in a great God. All right, let me say that again. It's not about great faith. It's often just about little faith, just as a mustard seed. But it's a little faith in a great God. Now somebody should say amen to this. And so here's, here's my second point. I'm going to underline the second word in this revelation. God is with us. In this point, it is his presence revealed to us. It's a revelation about this active presence. See, he is with us right now. In this time, in this very hour. Not just in history. You know, we have great testimonies from the past. Not just in the future. We have many promises and many prophetic words about the future. But he's actually present with us now. Present tense. God is with us. Now friends, this meant a lot to Israel when Jesus came. You know, they had all the testimonies from the past and they had all the prophecies about the future. But their life was actually miserable. They had the 400 years of silence. They had the occupying Roman Empire. And they were actually living in daily terror. And now the Messiah arrives. Now the Messiah actually comes to them. But he comes on the radar, in obscurity, not as they expected. You know, you may often be asking the same question. I've heard the testimonies. I received the prophecies and the promises of God. But where is his presence now? Where is God actually now, in this time, in this very day? You know, there's good news, friend. Emmanuel means God is with us. The is is a powerful statement. Because it means his active presence now. He's existing. He's present. He's alive. He's active. He is current. He is revealed. He is working now. He is. Now, in the Hebrew language, this is built into the very name of God. Um, the four letters that we read as Yahweh um, by devout Jews, it is actually not pronounced. They just say Adonai, which means the Lord. Actually mean there is the active presence of God in those letters. It actually means, I am, I am who I am. As we can read in Exodus chapter 3. God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is the meaning of Yahweh. Meaning, I am the God who is who He is. There is, there is the active presence 
in his very name, in his very nature. Not I used to be, not I'm going to be, I am who I am right now. He's Emmanuel, God is with us. And I want to challenge you to grasp it, to believe it. Because faith operates in the present. Faith operates right now. You know, if you have faith for the future, that's not actually faith. It's hope. Faith operates right now because you actually understand and reveal and encounter the God who is with you. Today, right now, somebody should get excited. And here's number three. God is, you know the rest of the story. God is with us. God is with us. Now, I love this third part as well because while in the first one it is God's identity revealed, in the second part it's God's presence revealed to us. Now, His location is revealed to us. Where is He? He is with us. He's with your neighbor around the table. God is with us. See, if only point number one and point number two were true, Nothing would change for me. I would know that there is a powerful God out there. But he's not with me. But friends, here lies the powerful story of Christmas. The powerful God who is, he's actually with us. Through Jesus, God actually came and relocated. He came and moved in my neighborhood. He is with me. See in Jesus. He willingly came to reside. With us. This is what we read in John chapter 1. Uh, the Bible says. The word became flesh. This is what happened with Jesus. And made his dwelling. Among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one. And only son who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. God came to be with us. No one forced him to come. It wasn't like the rest of the Trinity were like, Jesus, you go. <laughs> he wanted to come. He was not manipulated to come. Many idols are made and carved out, carried. Many pagan gods are carried and manipulated with. It's, Jesus wasn't like that. He willingly came out of his love. He wanted to be with us. Friends, that had been his desire for ages. That is the very reason he created us in the first place, to be with us. He wanted to have the relationship with us. He wanted to have a connection with us. He wanted us to be in the atmosphere of his presence constantly. So he came. And he didn't come complaining. He wasn't bothered. He came willingly and happily. Of course, as the human race, we rejected him. And we pushed him out. But I'm, I'm so happy that he did not run away. I'm so happy he didn't give up on us. I am so happy. You know, he could have stayed in the safety of the heavens. And he could lead our affairs from the distance. But 
as the powerful God who is, he is also with us. In Jesus as Emmanuel. Now, I want to say to some of you here tonight that, you know, you may feel like God is out there and yes, he is powerful, but not for you. You may feel like, yes, God has done so many miracles, but not in your life. And yes, he makes everybody else happy, but he's not with you. It's like he does not care about you. But I want to, I want to, I want to say that he actually has, he's got that in his name. He's Emmanuel, God who is with you, who is with us. He loves to enter your world. He loves to come into your path with a fresh miracle. That is the wonder of Christmas. I'm going to close with just a couple of scriptures. Um, in the book of Psalms, chapter 68, this is what it says. Listen carefully. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Because He's with us, He actually takes your burden on Himself and He bears it daily. I love this. Some of you need to hear that tonight. Yes, the Christmas story has all of that shining glitter and music. But it's actually about a God who cares deeply about you. And he wants to carry your burdens. In Romans chapter 8, this is another beautiful scripture. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is so amazing. He's a God who gave us his son, Jesus. And as he did that, it was a package deal. Everything else comes with him. And finally, in Exodus chapter 14, this is what the Bible says. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Some of your friends need to be hearing this today. God is on your side. God is with you. And he's ready to take your burden, burdens on himself. He's ready to fight for you. And if he's for you, who can be against you? This is in the revelation of Emmanuel. God is with us. I love this. And my final scripture for tonight. I had a lot of scriptures for tonight. But just because it's Christmas, I have a bonus one. Isaiah 57. I call this scripture God's business card. Did you know God has a business card? I used to have a business card. And usually on the business card you have the address, you know, your home address, and then you have your business address. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe the young generation does not, but a business card, it's a piece of paper with address on it, and your email, your phone. And so there is your home address, and on the other side, there could be your 
business address. You know what I'm talking about, right? So this is God's business card. This is what he says in the book of Isaiah 57. He says, for this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. Listen carefully. I live in a high and holy place. This is his home address. Where does God live? He lives in high and holy place in the glory of heaven, right? But then see where is his business address. He says, but I also live with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You know, you may be broken here tonight. You may be going through a rough season in your own life. You may be going through a hardship. You may be going through darkness tonight, a difficult season. Let me say that God is working. He's got His business address with you. He is touching your life. He is healing. He is liberating. He's, he carries your burden on himself. He's fighting your battle. And he loves to do that. He's the God who came near in the person of Jesus. Emmanuel, God is with us.